in the movies They're gonna make the big star out of me We'll make the film about a man that's sad and lonely And all I gotta do is act naturally Well, I'll bet you I'm a gonna be a big star Might win an Oscar, you can't Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. That's right, I'm Walter Sucker with Thomas Manning. Did you like that intro, Thomas? I, I didn't. I, so, <laughs> you didn't even know what's going on. See, I messed you up, man. Okay, we're going to have to restart. No, we're not. We're going to keep on moving, man. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel Thomas. I am Noel Manning. That is Thomas Manning. And we are talking movies as we do each week right here on C19 TV. <laughs> and uh, also, if you're listening to the podcast version, that's WG wg.org we appreciate it however you spend time with us um, you know and and i will say that I, I did get some non-viewer mail and and the non-viewer mail asked the question did we kick off tim and kick off greg off the show completely and no that is not the case but we uh actually we haven't invited tim back in a while so that's on us but i do invite greg pretty regularly and he just he's always got some other thing going on you know, something about he had a pedicure this week and you know, it was like he was chasing squirrels the previous week and he was cooking granny's possum the week before that. So he's always got something going on. Normally it's with some kind of wild animal. Can you uh, remind me again who is Greg? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because he yeah. hadn't been on in so long. But yeah. but we miss you, Greg. We miss you, Tim. And we, we hope to get you back. And uh, once we get uh, once we get our inoculations inoculations what is it barney five calls it inauguration once you get your inauguration you're gonna be betty 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 that's right and so i don't know who betty <laughs> is but that's what you're gonna be so we're already going off the rails here <laughs> so when that happens maybe just maybe we can uh, be back uh, in the studio when we're all comfortable doing that but we do appreciate you taking the time to be with us as we talk movies uh, thomas um recently the critics choice gave out their 26th annual Critics' Choice Awards, and they did it virtually this year. You and I were there last year, which I'm so glad we were. Uh, it was a marvelous experience, and we, uh, during, uh, during this particular award show, Thomas, we were actually live tweeting the whole time, and um, I was at a, back, a virtual backstage event being able to interview some of the winners and uh, part of uh, about 100 critics across uh, the U.S. and Canada and journalists uh, across the U.S. and Canada getting a chance to interview some of the filmmakers. That was a heck of a lot of fun for us. And it did take me back to when we were there live, and I missed it. I really did miss yeah. it. Uh, but there were some great things, I think, that happened uh, this this year, this award show. And I, I thought I'd give you a chance to talk about some of the key things you thought came out of that. Uh, and we do have several reviews to talk about uh, today as well, including uh, the Coming to America sequel, uh, Tom Holland's Cherry, uh, and also Promising Young Woman, which was the okay. Critics' Choice Award winner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Promising Young, Young Woman did win Best Original Screenplay at Critics' Choice Awards last night, as well as Best Actress for Carrie Mulligan. Uh, it was nominated for four Golden Globes, but didn't win in any of those categories. But a week later, you see it uh, getting taking home a few of the trophies of the Critics' Choice. 
Um, so we'll review that show that movie later on in the show. Um, other standouts, Nomad Land is looking to be the favorite for Best Picture of the Oscars moving forward. Won Best Picture Golden Globes last week and this week at Critics' Choice as well. Also, Chloe Zhao, Best Director, both Golden Globes and Critics' Choice. Um, and then Chadwick Boseman, it's looking like he may very well win Oscar for Best Lead Actor in uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom posthumously. Um, you know, just you can't really say enough about everything that he's leaving behind and it it's so tragic and beautiful all at the same time yeah. um and you know he won last night so i, I believe he's probably going to win that oscar as well and i mean some people are going to say it was a memorial award but i think that he may very well have won it regardless i, um, I think so he, too I, that good i'm like you i think back to uh heath ledger when he yeah. won for um for his portrayal of uh, the joker yeah. and i think he would have won Anyway, he was just that good. Um, are some people going to give a few extra votes, maybe a few extra points because they passed away? Possibly. Uh, I, I know that, that voters sometimes, uh, for whatever uh, reason as it relates to uh, awards, especially film and uh, TV and any kind of arts, they're going to honor those who have left us and aren't going to have a chance to give us anything else. And so you can call it a memorial award, but I'm I'm absolutely with you. His performance uh, was well deserving, no matter uh, if he had if he had lived or or, uh, or passed away. So I'm right there with you. What a great uh, performance! And those were the standouts for me as well. Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and, and Chadwick Boseman. I think those are the things to watch. And as we look into April, the end of April, that's crazy. The end of April is when the Oscars are going to be happening. And, uh, you know, I can't believe it. It's almost summer and we're going to be having uh, the Oscars, but it's been an uh, odd award season. And there've been some films that fell through the cracks that uh, you know, many uh, award categories or, or award organizations gave their awards at the very end of the year, North Carolina yeah. Film Critics, yeah. for example, and quite a few others. And so uh, there'll be some films that we didn't get a chance to even vote on at that time that may show up in our 2021 awards, we'll just have to wait and see. Any other thoughts or comments uh, you want to share on uh, Critics' Choice before we uh, dive in? Oh, uh, well, my favorite show of the year, Ted Lasso, getting some love. It won three Critics' Choice TV awards, uh, Best Supporting Actress for uh, Hannah Waddingham, I believe, and then also Best Actor for Jason Sudeikis, our, our very good friend Jason Sudeikis, that is, <laughs> and uh, Best Comedy Series for uh, Ted Lasso. So uh, go check that out on Apple TV Plus if you haven't. It's just such a beautiful heartwarming um story that's just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside out you got to go watch it if you haven't had a chance yeah, yet. it was actually a really good year critics choice for snl alums um you look at seth myers uh for uh, for winning for best talk show host and also uh, andy sandberg winning for palm springs palm springs got some love and it actually got some love earlier with the critics choice with the super uh, awards as well so yeah snl was was living pretty Pretty strong, pretty strong. Well, speaking of SNL alums, there is a uh, sequel that is out now that is uh, three decades in the making, uh, coming to America. You can find that on Amazon Prime. The original classic with Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, uh, James Earl Jones also in a film that was directed by John Landis back in 1988. It was second only to Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the box office dollars that year. So this was a huge, huge success. Not quite as successful from a critic's standpoint early on, 
But uh, over the years, the, the critical love for this film has grown. Uh, you know, it's been a long time coming for this sequel. There's been a lot of talk about it over the years. There was even talk about a potential TV series uh, for Coming to America, but it never happened. But thanks to Amazon, you know, here we are uh, getting a chance to revisit these characters uh, again. Uh, in this sequel, uh, honestly, it's a, uh, you, you're gonna love it because I always like to say this meets this meets this, and that's exactly what I'm gonna say with this film. Uh, this is Princess Diaries meets the Black Panther, meets Crocodile Dundee, meets Backyard Shakespeare. That's the storyline, my man. That's the storyline. <laughs> and and it, simply a male heir has gotta be found for the sake of a kingdom. You've got power struggles, you've got some rivalries. There's a twisted love story going on and all that's thrown together to bring back characters uh, and some memories and places from the past. It's a fish out of water sequel. Uh, if you've seen the trailers, you know all about that. I really loved revisiting these characters from the past. It was uh, kind of like going back to an old reunion with friends that you haven't seen in a long time. Uh, appreciated the chemistry between Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. They're back together again. Uh, they really click so, so well. There were many side characters uh, returning for some great one-liners and some sarcastic engagement. And Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy portray many characters throughout this film, of course, in makeup and, uh, and, and some different, um, different accents. And they have a heck of a lot of fun. As they did before, I laughed out loud a lot. I mean, several times. Um, I really had genuine fun watching this movie. But honestly, Thomas, it was really in need of something fresh. Uh, I found myself laughing mostly at the things from the past that I was remembering from the past. Uh, and it, this really didn't have what was needed to be a standalone film. Now, if I'd never seen the original and just came in and watched this one, I think I, I would have actually probably given it a higher grade. But I really felt like I was just hanging out with, with friends I hadn't seen in a long time, you know, reliving these days gone by while also trying to catch up with what's happened since in the past three decades. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just really felt like I was going back to a time and place that ultimately those were the stronger, where the strongest memories were. They weren't right here and now. And uh, it was in the past and there's nothing wrong with it. But for me, the past of these characters and the places that these characters were, that's what held the strongest memory. And uh, that's where the reunion was best uh, being in the past. So fun, uh, enjoyed it, but it just kept wish, helping me hoping, hope, I just kept hoping I was back there again, if yeah. that makes sense. Uh, a B minus rating, uh, it, it's again, it was, it was fun, but it just, it lacked uh, originality. And I know people are gonna say, well, wait a minute, it's a sequel, you know, how, how can it be original? I've seen tons of sequel. I've seen tons of franchise films that find ways to bring that freshness back to make it feel like it's something new and different. And this one was just kind of lacking that, but still, uh, still enjoyed it. And, and I think other people will as well. It's definitely not uh, the, uh, the, the solid A rating I had for the original back from 1988. All right, Thomas, uh, well, let's dive in and talk about uh, Cherry or any questions for you uh, before I, before we move on to the next film? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so how much of the original cast comes back? Is it pretty much all of them? All the key Well, the, the key the key players. Yeah, you're yeah, going to see the yeah. key players. Arsenio Hall, Eddie Murphy, James Earl Jones. They're back, and those are three of the key players. Cool. And, um, and then the other uh, characters that they play as well. 
come back as well. Uh, Tom Holland uh, is in a film called Cherry. Um, you and I both got a chance to see some really early screenings of this. Uh, and uh, Apple Plus is where you can find this film now. It is in select theaters uh, as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on Cherry with Tom Holland. Yeah, so it was co-directed by the Russo brothers again, who have worked with Tom Holland on uh, Captain America Civil War. They were actually the ones that brought him into the MCU as Spider-Man. Uh, also worked with him in Infinity War and Endgame. And here they are uh, in definitely a departure from the uh, superhero genre. Um, a very heavy, um, dark uh, PTSD story, um, a story about the opioid epidemic in the United States and um, just the immense weight that veterans carry with them in their lives as they try to return to, to normalcy in a certain sense. Uh, because, I mean, really, there's no normalcy after going through what they do go through as they face the terrors of war. And uh, I think this, um, this film really portrays that as brutally honestly as possible um holland's performance is is absolutely phenomenal um and the range that he shows something like this compared to spider-man where he's lovable adorable peter parker um this as a um like mid-20s uh war veteran who struggles and um has to face um has to face addiction and then it has to face difficulties in his love life with uh, his wife, who's played by Sierra Bravo, who is absolutely uh, incredible as well. Absolutely. Um, it's just a really, really difficult watch at sometimes, but very, uh, very unique filmmaking. So I think the Russo's heavily inspired by, uh, I think what you see in this film, they took a lot of their biggest influences like growing up and try to put that into this film. You see some shades of Scorsese and De Palma, uh, Michael Mann and Tarantino. And parts parts of it kind of really meshed well, and I felt like they really found that rhythm. Then other parts felt like they were just doing too much and just trying to see kind of what sticks and what doesn't. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. As you mentioned, it was a difficult film to watch at times, a really deep and painful subject matter. Uh, I thought the score, the editing, and cinematography, all of those things were absolutely mesmerizing to me. Uh, Russo Brothers, Apple TV. I think they did something very special and unique here. Uh, I've been waiting for this film for quite a while. Uh, chatted with Thomas uh, Newton Thomas Siegel, who was a cinematographer. Uh, I chatted with him actually while he was on the set working on this film. And so I've been looking forward to it ever since. For me, it didn't disappoint. I, I thought the narrative technique was intoxicating. That's something that I thought was incredibly creative. Um, it was very raw at times, so raw that it kind of devoured your senses uh, and all of your senses. Um, if this had been released earlier in 2020, it may have made one of my top 10 lists. Uh, and so we'll kind of see what happens, you know, if I forget about it by the time my, my next list rolls around uh, at the end of 2021. I, I think it's brilliantly artistic filmmaking. Holland is crazy awesome. Absolutely love Tom Holland in this. And there were some great tunes by Van Morrison um, thrown in as well. So I'll watch this one again. I, I think it's one of those that's got a great rewatchability just to see what's going on because there's some interesting little Easter eggs that are uh, that are thrown throughout this film as well, especially there's some bank robberies. Yeah. And just take a look at some of the bank robberies and some of the names of the banks. I think you'll find that interesting. What's your rating for Cherry? Uh, yeah, solid B for this. Um, okay. no, another thing I have to mention, so it's uh, written by Angelo Russo, Austin, and Jessica Goldberg, but it's also loosely, or it's adapted from a book written by Nico Walker, and this book was 
loosely based on his own life, certain experiences from his own life. Um, so it's got an element of truth to it, but it's also, you know, uh, heavily dramatized as well. Um, but if you go back and do some research into the uh, background of the story that's based on, there's a lot of really interesting material to look at there. Yeah, definitely one worth watching, but not one for the small kids. This is a very, uh, very adult-based uh, film because of the subject matter and some of the things that, that happen within this film. Uh, Cherry, I'm giving it an A+. Uh, I, I, I loved so many different aspects of this film. You're watching Meet Me the Movies with Thomas Manning. I'm Noel T. Manning II, and uh, we're going to come back right here on C19 TV. And if you're listening through WGWG.org, through the radio and the podcast. We appreciate that as well. We'll be back after this quick intermission. We're going to talk about uh, the father and promising young woman, and we'll see what else we get to right after this quick intermission. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make the big star. Hi, I'm Nikki Bliss Carroll, your host for Cleveland Connections, the show that explores what's happening at Cleveland Community College. Join us as we sit down with members of faculty and staff to discuss programs of study, upcoming events, and other exciting campus news. We'll have a new show for you each month on C19 TV, or you can stream us online at c19.tv. Tune in and connect with Cleveland Community College on Cleveland Connection. Tim Wisher, welding instructor at Cleveland Community College, and today I'd like to take a little time and tell you about what we do here. Welders are in demand. We offer a certificate program and we offer a diploma program. It takes about a year to come through our program. We offer morning and evening classes here at CCC. We have the lowest student to instructor ratio in the state. We do real life simulation. We do API 1104 downhill pipe welding. We also do D11 structural steel code and ASME welding as well. We have AWS certified welding inspectors on staff. If you want to learn more about our welding program, you can give me a call directly at 704-669-4077 or on the community college website at clevelandcc.edu. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make the Hello, and welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here with Thomas Manning. We appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, we got a couple of uh, films to try to um, get in in the last uh, half of this show here, uh, including one with an Oscar winner, uh, Anthony Hopkins, um, who has been getting a lot of love from a nomination standpoint, and, and rightfully so, uh, for his performance in The Father, which also stars another Oscar winner, uh, Olivia uh, Coleman. Uh, in this as well. Uh, this movie uh, was based on a, a stage play, a French stage play back from 2012 um, and uh, adapted 
to, to film and was originally screened back in January of last year. Sundance. Uh, yes, Sundance. Yeah. And uh, was picked up by, uh, by Lionsgate, who uh, ultimately found ways to, to put this together on film. Uh, so let's get your thoughts on The Father, Thomas. Yeah, so you mentioned it's adapted from a play. So it's Florian, Z Florian Zeller directed this, and it's also adapted from the play that he wrote. Um, so, and also assisting him on the screenplay, you have Christopher Hampton. Um, so as you can, as you watch this film unfold and you notice the narrative structure, you can definitely tell that it's adapted from a play, um, but still that translation from uh, the stage to the screen, it's a very a smooth transition. Um, a lot of, I think a lot of films of this nature have trouble kind of putting all the pieces together and having everything click. But I think the pacing was just perfect on this. Um, and some of those some of those hitches that you might see in other cases were really smoothed out here. Um, but it really all starts with the performances. Um, Hopkins and Coleman. Um, I mean, Hopkins has been doing his job and doing such great work for so long. But this is legitimately one of his greatest performances ever. Um, you know, it's I'm sure for people who might have connections to loved ones with Alzheimer's and, uh, and dementia, similar diseases, um, might have difficulty watching something like this just because it hits so close to home. Um, but as you watch it, it's um, just what Hopkins is able to do to get into that role is simply phenomenal. Um, and Coleman, as the daughter who loves, loves her father so much and is willing to do anything she can to help him out, but still, the struggles of caring for someone like that, um, what she puts on the screen and brings to the table is um, just insanely good. Um, it's really what they do with their their facial expressions, um, their their mannerisms, the facial acting. Uh, it's really, it's really mind-boggling. You can't really find enough adjectives to describe what they're able to do with just, just their eyes and just their face. Yeah, I, I'm with you on, on every aspect of that. It is a really uh, a challenging film to watch, especially if you know of someone or uh, you have been around someone who has suffered from uh, either dementia or Alzheimer's. And uh, it is just, it, it feels like it's brutally honest in its approach to how that impacts uh, the person who is experiencing it, but also how it impacts family uh, and those who, who are in that, that drop zone, uh, as, as kind of you may want to call it. Uh, but Hopkins and Coleman, both absolutely amazing talents. And, and together, their chemistry as a, a father and a daughter uh, is, is just stellar. And I, I agree with you. I think this is probably, and probably one of uh, Anthony Hopkins' best performances ever. And that's saying a lot. Uh, that is saying a lot. And, and in a year where we've got the pandemic, you know, you would think, well, maybe this, he's going to wrap this up, but there's just so many other great, great uh, films and uh, really great performances out there. And we talked about Chadwick Boseman earlier that uh, that Hopkins has kind of become a, a second thought uh, in in the uh, awards categories for this. But he'll he'll get he'll get nominations for sure, as he has with all the other uh, groups that have gone out there. There's another film that I want to mention quickly, and it's called Falling. Viggo Mortensen. Um, is uh, has directed. This is his first time directing a film, and it also deals with uh, with Alzheimer's and, and deals with what's what's happening uh, to those who are, are facing that mental decline. And uh, and his father is 
kind of tortured him many times in his life, and you see that uh, playing out. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating film. Uh, I didn't really have that on my list, but uh, I, I'll come back and do a full review of that maybe in the not too distant future. But uh, it's a, it'd be an interesting double feature. Not that I would want anybody to to sit through a double feature because that's that is painful to watch those kind of things. But they are both quite quite impressive. So, uh, what is your rating for the father? A uh, solid A for the father as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Solid A. And Thomas, we only have about four minutes to cover a promising young woman uh, that's uh, now available on Blu-ray. So uh, give me your give me your two-minute take, and I'll uh, I'll chime in as well. Yeah. So this was another Sundance film from uh, Sundance 2020, and uh, I, I heard some rumblings about it then, and it kept kind of flying under the radar until finally it was released this award season, and it's getting a lot of attention, well deserved as well. So it's Emerald Fennell wrote and directed. It's her feature-length directorial debut. She done some short films and some television. But uh, what she's able to do, um, she may very well, very well end up with a Best Director Oscar nomination in her first feature, um, which is incredible. Um, Carrie Mulligan's performance is, um, it's, her character is just one that really sticks with you. Um, no matter the circumstances surrounding that character, it's one that sticks with you for so long, even after you watch the film. Um, the supporting cast, you have like Bo Burnham, um, Adam Brody, Christopher Metz-Plass, Allison Brie, um, uh, Alfred Molina pops up as well. Each supporting cast member is placed perfectly within the narrative um, and just they find their spot and bring everything that they need to to that particular role. Um, you know, it's shot and edited really in a really interesting way. Uh, the colors, the uh, costume design, the art direction, production design, hair and makeup, all of that is really interesting, but with such a dark narrative as well. Um, just see that contrast is really fascinating. I'm right there with you. I, I, and, it's a, and it's a dark comedy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a film that will definitely get you thinking and get you talking once everything is said and done. Margot Robbie also produced uh, this film. Uh, Focus Features uh, has distributed this, and they are, have really been pushing this film pretty hard uh, during awards season, and, and rightfully so. It's, it's well worth it, as you mentioned. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, um, who won the Critics' Choice for, for Best Actress, also uh, won for the National Board of Review, uh, and uh, she's received quite a few nominations throughout. She is uh, absolutely uh, stunning in, in her performance, and she draws you in, and she keeps you drawn in, much like she does with uh, the, the men that she's <laughs> dealing with in this particular yeah, film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's well worth watching, but just kind of be prepared uh, for what you're, what you're going into. It's, uh, it's not something for everybody, but uh, I'm really glad I got a chance to check this out. Promising young woman, solid A rating for me. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm right there with you, solid A. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, my Twitter reaction from back in December, right after I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And also, <laughs> yes. and also Carrie Mulligan, what a performance. Those were, that was basically what I posted to Twitter and that's just kept with me for three months later, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You are exactly right. Well, we do have like, uh, like one minute. And so in, in this last one minute, uh, give me your take on WandaVision, WandaVision now that it's wrapped. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Major props to Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen for acting over the course of six different decades of television from the 50s to the 2010s, getting into each one of those different acting styles. 
Um, it's like they were just made for it. Um, and this is a really unique entry into the MCU. It's not like anything we've seen before. Um, the way it takes its time, it's a slow burn mystery. It's also a tragedy and it's a reflection on loss and grief and anguish and um, all of that um, with within the world of the MCU and uh, very, very much in love with WandaVision. Yeah, and, and stick, stick through it. It's one of the most creative uh, attempts at putting something together with the MCU and it is unlike anything you've ever seen before from the MCU. I, I will absolutely say that. Uh, uh, until the final episode and then you feel like you're in the middle of the MCU uh, film all over again. Uh, so I, I think it set up quite a few things. I'm, I'm pleased with WandaVision and how it played out. Well, I'm gonna leave you guys with a movie quote of the week as I always like to do. And uh, it's, um, I'll just leave you with a theme. And uh, the, the theme I'm gonna leave you with, not really a quote, it's more of a theme. This comes from The Curious Case of Benjamin Buttons, one of my favorite films, and it's Benjamin Button, not Buttons. Uh, just wanna make sure that's clear. Uh, and the theme from that, not necessarily a quote, but the theme is it's never too late to do anything. And I love that theme. And I think that is something if we can carry that forward and, uh, and live that and breathe that, uh, it's never too late to do anything as long as we're here. Just think about what you're doing and, and how you can better this world. Uh, I am Noel T. Manning II for Meet Me in the Movies. That's Thomas Manning. We appreciate you spending time with us right here. And we look forward to having you back next time. And until next time, that's a wrap. Happy